Hello, and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, bringing to you this Tuesday another installment of Fascism in Fiction, a mini-series where I chronicle how fascism has been depicted in popular media. This week, I am talking about 2009's Inglorious Bastards, which is spelled with an E. This is a movie written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. It stars a whole lot of people, primarily Brad Pitt as Aldo, quote, the Apache Reign, a U.S. special operations officer during the World War II era, and Christoph Waltz in his U.S. film breakout role as Hans Landa, an SS officer whose job it is to root out hiding Jewish people in Nazi-occupied Europe. Now, there are a whole bunch of other people in this movie, but those are the two principal actors, right? This was an extremely successful movie. It was nominated for a whole bunch of Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. However, it won none of those, but Waltz himself did win Best Supporting Actor. The plot is typical Tarantino-type plot, with multiple threads that begin separately and then combine in the end with massive, gratuitous, but kind of fun, orgiastic violence. The movie begins in rural France, shortly after the Nazis' occupation of France at the beginning of World War II. Waltz's Landa begins the movie by visiting a farm in this rural French area, where the farmer father has turned out to be hiding local Jewish people under his floorboards. The movie spins a very indulgent, typical Tarantino long conversation that gets increasingly tense kind of thing, uh, although nobody mentions comic books or pop culture in this particular version of the long Tarantino tense conversation. Landa in this conversation is shown to be a ruthless killer and an extremely shrewd and intelligent person with a reputation for being good at finding hidden Jewish people. It also shows off the real-life Christoph Waltz's actual skills of being fluent in English, French, and then eventually, as we see later in the movie, he of course also speaks Italian. This is in addition to his native German. Waltz himself is Austrian. At the conclusion of this scene, Landa and his SS troops kill the family. However, one of them escapes, and her name is Shoshana. Later on, after the United States has entered the war, Aldo Rain is getting together a group of Jewish-American commandos whose goal it will be to strike fear in the hearts of Nazi soldiers after the United States' invasion of France and Germany, you know, so concurrent with the Normandy invasion. This is a, an adaptation. This is a sort of like historical reimagining of some real things that actual Allied groups did in fact do. As far as I can tell, the United States did not do this, but the British did. They did organize a group of Jewish commandos to operate inside of Germany in order to, you know, strike fear in German soldiers. So Rain is doing this sort of like getting the gang together type, you know, little sub movie here. These folks get their own little intros in like typical Tarantino exploitation style. The goal of this commando troop is to kill as many Nazis as possible and also to, when possible, let one of them go with a swastika carved into his forehead, permanently scarring him in order to scare other Nazis, and also in order to make sure that that person, even as a survivor, will be permanently marked by his participation in the Nazi war machine. Meanwhile, Shoshana, who has, you know, escaped this SS purge of her family, has found refuge in Paris, running a small movie theater. She is approached by a German soldier, a sniper, a person named Friedrich Zoller, who is famous for killing hundreds of U.S. soldiers in the real life of the movie. 
He then starred in a movie about the battle. So this is a movie that is taking place inside of the movie. And that movie in the movie is going to be shown secretly in Paris later that week. And Zoller, who develops a sort of possessive and presumptuous crush on Shoshana, wants it to be shown at her small theater instead of at the big, prestigious, expensive, very nice theater in Paris. He thinks that it'll be more appropriate. This, of course, is really just because he's attracted to her. Shoshana uses this opportunity to plan with her lover, with her romantic partner, to kill all the Nazis who are going to be attending. They intend to do this by setting fire to the place, by setting fire to the film that they have accumulated in their theater. This, however, is not until after she has met Hans Lande again in another very good, tense, talking scene. Uh, You know, these are the sorts of things that Tarantino is the best at writing. Meanwhile, again, a team of British commandos, who are led by Michael Fassbender, are planning to sabotage this premiere. So they know about this premiere. And they're going to do it with the help of a fictional German film star named von Hammersmark. They, however, get found out in the movie's other big, stressful people talking to each other with implied guns and danger scene. This is a scene that occurs in a subterranean basement. In the conclusion of this bit, everybody dies. All of the German commandos die. All of the uh, British commandos die. The the people who are planning on sabotaging this film premiere, they're all killed. The only person who survives is the German film star. And she is rescued by the U.S. commandos who are sort of working with these British commandos as essentially an escort, trying to get them into this film premiere. The U.S. commandos accuse the German film star of having sabotaged this intentionally. She says that that wasn't true, and instead that she was really, really trying to make this go forward because she has learned, and this is when we learn, that it's not just that German officials are going to be attending this film premiere. In fact, the entire German high command is going to be there, including Adolf Hitler himself. And so in light of this, despite the fact that the plan is completely ruined and there's absolutely no way that they can get in there undetected, the U.S. commandos, led by Brad Pitt's Aldo Rain, are going to infiltrate this film premiere. However, of course, unlike Michael Fassbender, uh, Brad Pitt does not speak German, and none of the other actors that uh, Tarantino has got to play this part speak German. And so instead, they decide that they're going to pretend to be Italians, because, of course, the uh, German film star says, like, well, Germans don't speak Italian. Don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, nobody here speaks Italian. You can just pretend to speak Italian. It's going to be perfectly fine. They get to the film premiere and we get this like, you know, sort of funny little scene where they all meet Hans Landa as the leader of the security of this event. And they introduce themselves as being Italian. And Hans Landa, of course, immediately launches into a very erudite speech in Italian, welcoming them and asking them about their film life and stuff like that. The Americans, of course, being Americans, can't speak any Italian whatsoever, except for like, you know, goodbye and thanks and stuff. We get some delightful Brad Pitt, fake Kentucky, fake Italian accent speaking as Hans Landa erupts into uproarious laughter as he realizes what's happening. And this is where the movie enters a sort of like double cross, triple cross territory. The U.S. commandos prepare for their part of this raid. They're going to plant a bomb under Hitler, and they're also going to get a bunch of commandos into the building with machine guns and shoot as many Nazis as as possible. Meanwhile, Shoshana, unbeknownst to the commandos, is planning on closing the doors, locking them, and setting fire to the building. Meanwhile, 
Unbeknownst to everybody, Hans Landa knows that everybody is planning these things and is going to intentionally let these plans come to fruition. Landa imprisons Aldo Rain and some of the other people who are working with the United States commando people. And he says that he can see the writing on the wall. You know, he says that he can see that the Germans are going to lose and he wants to make a deal. He wants credit for their victory. He wants to get credit for killing Adolf Hitler and the rest of the German leaders. And in exchange, he wants, you know, the Congressional Medal of Honor and a bunch of other stuff. Lieutenant Aldo Rain says, yeah, sure, that's fine. That seems like a good deal to me. So both plans essentially set off. Both plans to kill the Nazis happen. The commandos who remain in the theater shoot up the place because Hans Landa doesn't make a call to tell any of the German security about them. They shoot up the place starting with Hitler. At the same time, the theater does catch fire because Shoshana and her partner have set this fire. Meanwhile, the romantic subplot concludes as Shoshana and Zolar kill each other. This is the real cathartic, violent heart of the movie. We get long scenes of Nazis running around and being shot as a Holocaust victim laughs big on screen in front of them uh, as she burns down the building. Meanwhile, we get a lot of close-ups of Jewish American soldiers machine gunning Hitler directly in the face. And by close-ups, I mean like there are extreme sort of goofy prosthetic close-ups of a, a Hitler face exploding with machine gun bullets. The conclusion of the movie is that Landa and Rain do eventually make it into Allied territory, where they switch roles as prisoner and captor. You know, Landa surrenders to Rain the moment that they cross over the U.S. line. Rain and the other U.S. commandos then proceed to capture Landa, like for real though, and carve a swastika into his forehead because he is, of course, just another surviving Nazi that they believe needs to be reminded of his crimes for the rest of his life. This movie was extremely well-received and well-reviewed, both by audiences and critics. It did extremely well in the box office, and like I said, was nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards. It also did very well on the film circuit. A lot of critics, though, criticized the movie for what they called, quote-unquote, turning Jews into Nazis. This is a quote that appears in a lot of reviews of this film. Apparently what they mean by that is that the movie is about Jewish revenge against Nazi violence. Now, personally, I don't think that getting revenge against genocide is turning anybody into a genocidal perpetrator. Now, there were, in fact, a lot of Jewish guerrilla organizations that were operative in Nazi Germany, both in the ghettos, uh, in the places in cities where Germans had initially placed Jewish people. There were also people who were operating in that capacity outside of the ghetto system. There were people operating in that capacity inside of concentration camps. So that's not an, you know, that's not an invention. Unfortunately, we don't have big budget Hollywood movies about those people. The other thing that I criticize about this criticism is, you know, that it, it seems to be implying that like what's bad is violence as opposed to that, well, what's bad are Nazis and killing Nazis is probably a good idea. So thinking about what this movie has to say about fascism, the first thing to note is that Hans Landa is a classic Nazi stereotype. He is smart and aloof. He's kind of kooky. You know, you kind of laugh at him a little bit, but then he's alarmingly serious and you're afraid of him. However, all the other Nazis, though, are there for laughs. Hitler is there for laughs. Goebbels is there for laughs. All the other Nazis who appear on screen are there as a goof. Inasmuch as this is a movie about fascism, it's because it's a movie about propaganda. Remember that the framing device of the movie is that there is this Nazi propaganda film being made, this film within a film. 
and that it is the production of this propaganda that is the downfall of the Nazi regime. It's their desire to imagine, their desire to pretend about their history and about their past and their events. It's that desire to make believe that ultimately kills them, right? And, and literally kills them. It's their desire to recast their past in this glorified way. That's what gets them, right? And in that sense, this movie has a lot of interesting things to say, and I don't think that they're particularly flattering things to say about how the Western world remembers the Holocaust and the Nazi regime in general. This is a propaganda film, too. It is a big-budget reimagining about what if things were different, you know, and not just different, but incredibly cathartically better. This movie imagines a world in which the United States stopped the Holocaust by killing Adolf Hitler on purpose. This is not what happened, as a reminder. Most Holocaust sites were liberated and stopped by Soviet soldiers, because most of them were in Eastern Europe. Auschwitz is the one that people in the United States remember, because it's the one that happened to be the farthest west. It's the one that U.S. soldiers got to. The Soviets, of course, have an extremely complicated relationship with the Holocaust. They participated in anti-Jewish pogroms themselves. So papering over this extremely complicated story, this movie gives us a propagandized, reimagined version that is a cathartic image of World War II and World War II politics and events. It gives us a sort of like spiritual out, right? It lets you leave a movie that is fundamentally about the Holocaust feeling triumphant and good. You know, the, the feeling that you're supposed to leave this movie with is like, yeah, we showed them, you know, we showed them what's what. And that is a very complicated thing for a director or writer or just a film in general to want the audience to come away from a movie thinking and feeling when this movie is about the Holocaust. It's about Nazis and it's about, you know, fictional people. This is not what happened. If this was a movie that was about people who gave their lives fighting the Nazis, you know, it, it, it would be reasonable to be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, you want the audience to leave the movie feeling solemn, but also feeling like these people gave their lives fighting the good fight. But that's not what this movie is about. It's not even fictionalized versions of real events. It's a it's a cathartic, propagandistic fantasy. And I don't think that we're ready for fantasies about how to defeat Nazis because because as a culture, especially in the United States, we barely understand them at all. And we certainly don't understand the nature of the fight against them or even why the United States participated in it in the first place. All right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. If you want to help me out, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 minutes of fascism. That's 15 minutes of fascism spelled out and all one word. That's also where you can reach me on Gmail, 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at hist of the right. That's H-I-S-T of the right and fascism 15. All right. Thanks very much. And I'll talk to you Thursday.